Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante. And whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, I want to thank you for choosing to spend your time with me and our guests here on Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, now more than ever in this turbulent time, it's important to share and spread our message of freedom and fulfillment around the globe. So if you get value from this podcast, I have a favor to ask. If you could go wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a positive rating and review, that helps us carry our message further around the globe. And if you wouldn't mind, Post a link to this podcast on your Facebook page. Share it on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, wherever you're at on social media. I want to thank you for helping us take our message to those people around the globe who truly need it. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Thank you. I mean, I have founders tell me I use this to launch the business. or And one of them just told me this book caused me to launch my business. And it's actually based on what you're doing. I mean, that's a huge reward for any author. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. Okay, and we are live here on the Freedom Media Network. Today, we have another incredible interview with the father of contact marketing, Stu Heineck, in just a moment when we return. It's funny, uh, <laughs> last cool. week, yeah, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, I'm still getting used to this platform. Last week, I, I just, late night, and I don't watch that much TV anymore, and I, I purposely try not to these days with everything that's going on. And I just flipped on ESPN, and um, they're going through, It was first, actually, it was Fox. It was one of the Fox Sports channels. And it was uh, Shannon Sharp and I can't remember the other host. And they were were doing this, but they were doing it from home. And I was watching them and I was looking at the little Chiron on the bottom. And I started to pick up typos. And it dawned on me, you know, everything that we take for granted, the guy doing the Cairo or the woman doing the Cairo is probably sitting at home, like doing it from her computer. Now everyone's trying to relearn how to do stuff from their home and their desk. Yeah. And yeah. It's kind of a, an interesting world, but thank you, Stu Heineck, uh, forever. Anyone who's not familiar with Stu, the American marketing association calls him the father of contact marketing. You can see over each shoulder his books, how to get a meeting with anyone. And this book, which we were talking offline, just from a physical perspective, like the smell of the pages. I don't know. I'm, I'm just old school. I like physical books like that is an incredible book. We're going to talk more about that today, what contact marketing is. And by the way, I, I need to mention Stu, you've probably seen a lot of Stu's work. He is the editorial cartoonist for the Wall Street Journal. Stu, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, well, thank you. By the way, one of many. <laughs> there, there are a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. One, of, one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. Yeah. Well, I, I, hey, I wish I could. I, I can't draw, but I wish I could add that to my resume, and I wouldn't tell anyone that I was one of many. But uh, Stu, you and I at this point are are both on islands, but on. The furthest oh. reaches of the country. I'm oh. on John's Island, and you're in an island near Seattle right now, right? Nice. nice. Well, island living is, you can't beat it. Yeah, think, yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Until you get stranded or something, you know. Which happens to us sometimes. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, well, um, we, so we're, ours is served by a ferry at one end and then a bridge at the other end. So we can always get off. 
Why is the bridge still there? You know, yeah. <laughs> I guess you can't always, but we can always get off. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can get stranded by now. They now they put on one of the smaller ferries on the route. Oh God, so the lines are way up the hill or something like that. But you know what? I wouldn't trade this for anything. I love living on an island. Yeah, I do too. Except for when they do stay-at-home orders and and shut the beaches. <laughs> <laughs> like they did last week, but That's everyone's putting up with that. Um, yeah. Well, Stu, I, um, we were talking and, and I read your first book or how to get a meeting with anyone right over your left shoulder yeah, um, back when I had my PR and ad agency and I was in a comfort zone and I was like, well, everything's working fine for me. I'm not, I don't need anything. This is interesting, but I'm not going to do anything differently. Right. And then last year, I'm going to give Al Bellino a shot at Stasmeyer. He's their sales guru. He said, you got to read this book. And I said, I know Stu. And or I don't know you, but but I, I know of Stu. I read his first book and I read it. And the book is amazing. Um, I want to dive into it. Uh, but the first question I always ask any one of my guests is, the word freedom, what does that word mean to you? Freedom, man. Um, well, for one, living on an island. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right? You have to have a certain amount of freedom to do that. Gosh, it's. I think it's just. Um, I don't want to use the same word in the sentence in the in the the definition, but I can't think of another way to put it. You just have the um, well, the ability to uh, let your mind <clears throat> run, hmm. or just to, really just to do whatever it is that you almost whatever it is that you come up with. I mean, you you would come up with things like you're not going to jump over the moon, but but. Um, I hesitate to say this, but I mean, because my wife's sitting right next in the same room, the same studio, but I met my wife by because I saw her in a magazine and I, I went to Copenhagen and met her. So, wow. that's freedom. you know, I mean, that's like, you know, you can do it. You can do anything. And so I guess freedom is just sort of opening the door to doing that. That's amazing. And and I, I did a, a training session earlier today and talking about gratitude. We we're talking about gratitude and, and a lot of people don't do gratitude right because they don't do meaning right. They t attach meaning to uh, a phone or uh, the paper that's money rather than what money can empower you to do. But one of the things I talked about was humanity's greatest, and this is a direct relation to what you, what you write about, right, is our greatest weapon isn't our brawn. It's our ability to have creative ideas and turn them into stuff, which is what you do. <laughs> well, it's probably to work smart, you know, and, and, and what I do and what you were doing, you know, in the agency world, I mean, um, it's such a creative, such, such a concentration of creative thinkers um, is for one, you want to, I, I, I want to, if I'm, if I'm trying to reach someone, I don't want to just, I don't, I don't want to just send some drab, email, for example, or anything, some, some drab thing, or in some way, reach out to them in some drab way, because well, we know we are both in the marketing world that, that directly attaches to your brand. You're defining your brand as you reach out to people. So within, within your first, your first interactions, you're, def, you're defining your brand. So I always look for things to, you know, just have people go, wow, I love the way this guy thinks. Right. Because yeah. If, you do that, if they have that reaction to you, then they're very positively disposed. And, you know, you could you can you can I mean, you could just let your minds wander in terms of what it is you're going to do together. 
I, I interviewed uh, recently, uh, uh, it was a friend, he, he's here, but he's an entrepreneur. His name's Isaac Morehouse. And he first started an apprenticeship startup as an alternative, maybe to college, but even some people coming out of college where you apprentice for a startup for six months, you learn to market, blog, do a podcast, all that, and then startups compete for you. Now he's moved on from that and he started something called Crash, which hmm. basically applies everything you just mentioned but to a job search and your career search. And oh. one of the things he mentioned oh. was people will sit there and he'll talk to people, how's your job search going? Well, I sent out a hundred resumes and I did this and nothing. And what he empowers you to do is do video messages, do some creative things. Maybe I should hook you two up to, to build some contact marketing, but they're doing kind of contact marketing, but online. And connecting that with your definition of freedom, can a sense of, you know, that thought, well, I'm just going to do what's always been done, which is a hundred phone calls a day or a hundred resumes. Can that be a, become sort of a prison? Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing what everyone else is doing. You're in a crowded channel. Why would you spend your time there? It's like, it's like spending all your time in a traffic jam. You know, why, why would you waste your time there if you have an alternative? And and so, you know, we're just you were just talking about sending out resumes, which is the same thing. I sent out 100 resumes. Well, so is everyone else. How are you standing out? So, um, you know, I, I'm, and, and it's funny because job search is a, I haven't written about it yet. I may, I don't, I don't know, but job search is another place where, where contact marketing shows up, where contact marketing tactics show up. So even something as simple as, I mean, we've all heard stories of people who um, think a little bit, well, I was going to say outside the box, but it's really on the box. They bring in a box of donuts with their resume taped to the box. You know, it's sort of like, if you want a donut, you're going to see this resume, but, but whoever it is that's doing that is showing initiative. They're, they're yeah. defining their personal brand and, and they're standing out. It's just, it's much better than just sending a resume. I mean, how drab can you be, right? I mean, that, that would be a horrible way to look. Especially when everyone's got the exact same level of skill or experience or whatever. How do you stand out? And, and you've said, well, you just mentioned it, how you met your wife. I mean, the book at the meeting, Contact Marketing, does not just apply to marketing per se. It can apply to meeting your life partner or job search or any host of things, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, think about it because every big thing that happens in our lives happens because we make connections with others, particularly others who have the, the, the power to change the scale of something in our lives. So, you know, a lot of, well, I mean, I'm really proud of this. Um, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone was just named one of the top 64 sales books of all time. Wow. And I didn't, I'm, you know, I'm not a sales trainer, so, um, I, I thought, wow, that's, that's, I mean, it's up there with Zig Ziglar's books and, and Dale Carnegie and, and people like Keenan and, and, and Mark Hunter and so on. And Jeb, Jeb Blount. That's pretty darn cool because I yeah. never really set out to write a sales book. So, but the thing is, if you can't get meetings, you can't sell and everybody sells. We, we just talked about job search, which is a sales function. We're all selling, we're selling ourselves in that or selling what we can, selling our services as an employee. That's what we're doing. And, and so 
Um, you know, just getting meetings is so integral to everything. So it's integral to selling, I mean, to actual sales jobs, but also to job search, to finding finding and, and connecting with um, potential um, um, strategic partners who can open up new sales channels to you, I suppose, or new opportunities to you, uh, referral partners, uh, mentors. All of these things require us to connect with with others. And if you're looking for mentors and people who can change your scale, then you're looking to connect with people who are probably pretty busy, probably pretty well known, mm. probably well insulated and, and well protected. And so you've, you've got to find ways to stand out. You can't just like, you know, we were just saying about sending resumes, that'll become our sort of our placeholder for just doing what everyone else is doing. Right. <laughs> right. Do right. That. Well, before we move on, I just want to thank everyone joining us on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on YouTube. As you jump in, please hit the like button or the thumbs up button. Give us a share. Drop us your comments, uh, comments, agreements, disagreements, whatever it is. We're here with Stu Heineck, the father of contact marketing. And Stu, for those who aren't aware of what contact marketing is... Can you can you fill us in? Yeah, yeah, because I'm the father of it, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I better know what it is. So it's it's a fusion of marketing and selling. That's important because usually marketing and and selling are well, it's often described as different silos. You know, it's really very very separate set of of of, of objectives of results, and they don't really mesh well together often. So this is a this is a a merging or a combination of of marketing and selling that produces or uses sometimes or often audacious means, but certainly micro-focused campaigns that are used to create contact with well, with ultra-important VIP prospects or accounts. So these are, the, again, these are the people who are who have the power to change your scale, change the scale of your, your business or your career or well, ultimately your life. Yeah. Um, if they became a, you know, these are the dream clients out there or, you know, um, my mentors are, well, I just mentioned that this, you, you connect with mentors this way too. My mentors, I had the craziest, most amazing set of mentors because it was all of, or a lot of the New Yorker and Playboy cartoonists have been my mentors, you know, really? and friends. It's amazing. Um, and it's, it's, uh, shaped uh, a career that's really kind of um, a unique one. Um, so connecting with those people, I mean, you don't connect with, with, uh, for example, people like Gahan Wilson, who sadly passed away recently, but but people like that, Gahan Wilson and Eldon Dadini and Leo Cullum and all, all these great cartoonists, you don't just break through to them. Hmm. You don't even know how to find them, right? So, so getting meetings, becoming adept at getting meetings, is almost like taking on, almost like taking, let's say, uh, a superhero kind of power. Interesting. You can change your life. It's back, you know, you know, I, I came up in PR when it was press releases sent over fax. Um, you had to do some creative things, little town hall meetings. You know, uh, I did some it worked in politics and we would get the mobile billboard, you know, and park it right outside our opponent's press conference and, and do some of these these fun yeah. things. Right. Cool. And then Love everything it. just be, it just became blast things out and blast things out. And and um, uh Going back to, but I remember in college, right? You had, I, I took some public relations courses, you know, and one of it was the race method. It was research, analyze, communicate, evaluate. 
And I was thinking in my head, because I've, I've heard you tell the story of where you kind of started with this whole thing. I think it was the Rolling Stone and Condé Nast. And it wasn't just, hey, let's send stuff out and see what happens. You had a control group. You tested it. You did yeah. your research. You analyzed. You communicated. You evaluated. And then you you fixed for what worked and what didn't, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was my that experience was my first um, exposure to what I mean. I didn't know what to call it either. I mean, so what became contact marketing? But yeah, I, when I first started, I wanted to. I knew I wanted to work with with magazine publishers, and um, and they were the biggest users of, of direct response. I wanted to marry direct response with cartoons, the power of unbelievable power of cartoons and personalization. So all of those things together. Um, and so I convinced uh, my, you know, what my prospect at that point, but my, the people who became my clients at Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit to test, have, to test this out. So what that meant was they would pay me to create a, a, a new direct marketing or direct mail campaign. And my campaigns always had a cartoon on the, on the outer envelope or somehow on the outside of the, the piece, whatever format it took. Um, a cartoon, and then the caption was, was, um, was it's typeset. You can see some of these behind me, but so it's a drawing with a typeset caption. And so there are data insertion points for first and last name. So each one shows up in the mail and it, there's a cartoon on it and it, it, um, and it, it's about each recipient. So that those two campaigns for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit beat their controls, which other, in other words, you know, in statistics, you test against a control group. And in this case, they're testing against the, uh, the most effective thing they've ever put in the mail. So if you tie their control, you've just tied the record. I mean, that's remarkable. And, yeah. But if you beat the control, you just set the new record. And that was my first two times creating a mailing for any publisher. And, and you know, it was like a rookie walking on the field hitting, you know, a grand slam home run two times. So I thought, okay, great. This is my, this is my entree to the rest of the publishing industry. And so what I'm going to do, I'll put together this little campaign. I didn't know what to call it. So I called it a contact campaign. And it consisted of a, an eight by 10 print of a cartoon about, you know, personalized for each recipient um, and a note saying, hey, this is the device I just used to beat the controls for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. And we should put this to the test for your title, for your titles as well. And then so now if I'm talking to live groups, I love, you know, when I'm talking to live groups, I love telling the story because I'll ask them, what do you suppose I got for a response? And, you know, from from being in the in the in the advertising world that. I mean, you know, we used to hear in, in direct mail and direct response that if you got a 1% response rate, that's a pretty typical response rate. And actually, there's no such number. Nothing's typical, really. Right. But let's use that number for a moment. Um, you know, and then if you look at, at digital marketing, uh, click-through click rates, for example, are thousands of a percent often. And right. Right. so, um, you know, if you if you use sort of those as a scale of comparison, what do you think I got to this to my first contact campaign? I mean, as a as a response, and they'll guess like, oh, maybe ten percent. Well, I got I got through to all of them. It was a hundred percent response rate, and then amazing. Um, all of them became clients, so it was also a hundred percent conversion. Um, and it all stemmed from a campaign that I sent to about twenty four people. These were VPs and directors of circulation, 
at the big, you know, uh, Time Warner and Time Inc. and Condé Nast and so on, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, et cetera. I only had to reach about two dozen people to have a full penetration in the in the publishing market. Wow. And um, and so that, I spent about a hundred dollars to do it, and it was worth millions. I mean, it, it launched my business. So that was my first experience with contact marketing. How did you How did you at first convince them to let you? try this test against the control. I guess, I guess it probably didn't cost as much as their control, right? <laughs> well, uh, well, they're always testing things, but you know, interesting question because we're both old enough to remember David Ogilvy. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, David used to say, you know, people don't buy from clowns and humor doesn't work in, in marketing or advertising. And so at the time there were, you know, people who would get up on stage and talk to talk to the audience about how you succeed in with direct marketing it was a big deal then back then, and they'd always have this list of ten things to either do or not do, and humor was always on there as something you shouldn't do. And I'm thinking, well, I'm sitting in the audience, I'm thinking, first of all, this, these guys don't understand humor. <laughs> I don't understand the power of humor. I mean, I knew that that readership surveys in the in the meantime were saying that. Cartoons are almost always the best read and remembered part of any magazine or newspaper. And in the case of newspapers, they were better read than the front page. That's a lot of impact. Yeah. So I knew that that was going. So I'm thinking it was like somebody being on stage saying, I don't know how to tell a joke. And every time I've tried, I've failed. So that's on my list of top 10 things. Oh, don't tell a joke. <laughs> people are good at telling them, you know, and it's very effective. Some people make a living at it. So, um, um, you know, the, I guess the first, when I was first going around and I would talk to creative directors um, and they would say, well, David Ogilvy says this, and um, you know, um, well, you're not supposed to use humor. What are the numbers? I'm thinking, dude, you're, what part of creative don't you understand? <laughs> right. They don't want to, they don't want to take a risk and, um, yeah. or they didn't at first. And so then I finally found people who were, I mean, I remember John Skipper was my client at, at Rolling Stone. I don't know what John is doing now, but I, I, he was, he became a very successful guy. I don't know what he's done, what he's, where he is right now, but he was the kind of person who was entrepreneurial in spirit, not, not timid about trying things, um, not timid about questioning, um, you know, just questioning assumptions and saying, well, let's try this. Let's try it. Let's find out. And by the way, what a compelling argument. If they're the best, if cartoons are the best read and remembered parts of magazines and newspapers, what would happen if we put it on the face of a mailing? And by the way, you know, personalization had just become a force in direct response. So what if we also put, what if we also integrated um, uh, personalization into that? So the cartoon was about them. Wouldn't they, wouldn't it cause people to, remember back then we used to get stacks of mail every day. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Wouldn't it cause that piece of mail to stand out in the stack? Just like, um, the cartoons stand out in a stack of pages in a, pu a publication. And wouldn't it do that? Wouldn't it make sense? So there were people who, there are people who have vision and they're, I suppose, early adopters and you just have to find them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that answers the question. Just yeah, are, no, it does. I, I think there's just, there, there is a, I mean, look at when I read your first book in 2016, I was like, okay, but everything's working fine for me. I'm not going to try anything else. Um, now I ended up shutting down my agency at peak revenue a year later. So it, it is what it is. But like Seinfeld, right? <laughs> what's that? You went out on a high note? Seinfeld, go out on a high note. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Just leave the room. Um, the, uh, by the way, my wife and I, we, uh, we, we, that, that's one of our filters for like friends. 
if they don't know Seinfeld jokes, uh, sorry, we, we can't hang out with you. Oh, yeah. That's, that's our gatekeeper. Um, so one thing I want, I want to jump in and, and ask you, so you have the marketing agency or your, your firm that you're doing and, but you're also a cartoonist and in 2012, I believe you became a wall street journal. What was the trajectory of the marketing agency and also being a professional cartoonist, you obviously have married the two, but you're also yeah. on the Wall Street Journal. How did how, how did that work? Pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Uh, so apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, from very early on. Um, well, let me think. I'm going to go way back. You know, when I was a t I was an eight or ten year old, probably eight, ten ten years old. My brothers and I discovered where, where our dad kept his Playboy magazines. And so we would sneak them out and, you know, check them out. And, um, of course, we looked at the pictures. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, yeah. But I was also looking at the cartoons going, who are these people? Who are these guys that do these? And that was Gahan Wilson and Eldon Dadini. Uh, I mean, those are the two prominent ones. Um and I discovered early, early on that, you know, when I started that, it, so I, I ran that campaign to the publishers and then I realized, well, I don't want to just offer my cartoons. I want to, I want to offer a, a selection of cartoons from great cartoonists. And so that's when I started connecting with, with, with Gahan Wilson and, um, and Eldon Dadini and the other, the other ones that I mentioned a little earlier from the New Yorker. Um, and I pulled them into my group. They were part of my company. And so that's how they became mentors because I was learning a lot about cartooning from them, hanging out with them and, and directing them. I mean, I was sort of, I'm, I was the creative director essentially. And so I had to direct them based on test experience because we kept seeing what, what's working and what's not. I mean, clients would try to inject their brand or their offer into the cartoon, which killed it. So I would, you know, I was directing them, but they were, Man, they were directing me on how to how to cartoon. So that was cool. And I guess they've all it's always been um they've always been meshed that is cartooning and 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 marketing. I mean, that's where my education is. So they've always been in, enmeshed in my in in my career. I mean, I just I can't even remember a time when they weren't part of it might have been sort of somewhat parallel, but I've always always had always been wanting to to mesh the two. And in fact, really, my 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 um, my challenge right now actually is to unmesh it because I don't want to keep telling. I, I don't want people to think that oh, okay, contact marketing is cartooning or it's about cartooning. It's not. People use all kinds of incredible things to break through to um, to these people who can change their lives. Yeah. And and so you know, there's visual metaphors and and uses of email and and LinkedIn. My God, LinkedIn is an amazing device, if we can call it a platform for connecting with people. It's not just cartoons. Um, and my books are now starting to diverge from having anything to do with cartooning. I mean, my next one is the, the one I'm working on next is uh, is about um, well, using weeds as a as an as a uh, an inspiration for a new model for for growth because think about what they do i mean watch what they're doing in your yard yeah right? yeah you, know, now, you, you said weeds not weed not weed weeds <laughs> you could use weed as inspiration too i you guess could. some people will but, but i'm talking about weeds yeah. and, and just you know the dandelions and stuff just watch what they do they're unbelievable yeah or, they infect. Not weed or or japanese not japanese not weed is like the weed from hell you know you can grind this thing up I mean, first of all, the shoots, the 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 runners on the on the roots, they'll they'll they can actually grow under a street, 
and and spread to the other side of the street. Um, but they also, if you if you can grab every piece of them and grind it up, let's say, you think, well, there's no way that that, so that's destroying the plant. Well, what happens then is that every little piece, any clump of cells that comes in contact with the dirt will grow another another um, instance of the weed. I mean, it's, they're unbelievable. So they're, they're an amazing, taken together, they're, an, they, they, they're creating an amazing model for growth. And it has nothing to do with cartoons. It was really yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, no, and, 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 you know, one of the things when I, so... I am the least crafty, artsy, crafty, uh, visual, you know, my kids are all great artists and I try to draw something and I become the, I'm the laughing stock. They get it from their mother. Right. And, and so and like, I, you know, some of these things, when you look through the book, I'm like, Oh my goodness, you know, even the cigar box and getting stuff done. I'm like, Oh my gosh, or the art, but that's kind of the point. Right. And, and you mentioned it's, it's not just cartoons. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a definite, uh, example here that I think is with the, the falconry, which is interesting, but, yeah. but there's a wide array of things that, you don't have to be artsy craftsy. You don't have to, you could be creative, but come up with a solution that doesn't involve you drawing if you're not a good artist. Right. Yeah. Um, so what are some non artsy craftsy or the ability to just go out and buy <laughs> artsy craftsy yeah. examples that you've seen or that you, that you write about well, in the book? Man, you, you brought up a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. I'm, there, there's, I'm going to answer it in two parts. One, there's a guy, uh, Kenny Madden, who, whom I've, uh, I, I interviewed him for, um, from, for the second book that the latest one, get the meeting and Kenny, um, Kenny is an artist. He's, he's trained as a fine artist. So he paints and paints beautiful things. And he's found that when he painted, like, for example, he, he was reaching out to three, um, three startup, uh, entrepreneurs, three founders, uh, of startups, and they're all located in the Flatiron Building in, in Manhattan. You know that really skinny, oh, right? Yeah, iconic skinny building. Yeah, I so, remember this example. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So he so he painted did three different paintings of the Flatiron Building and sent it to him. And his his method for for reaching out is really kind of cool because he just sends it and he waits for them to say, "Who the hell sent this to me? Who is this?" They've never even reached out and they they become consumed with. I've got to find figure out who this is and why they sent it. So of course he got in touch with all of them, um, and he was, <clears throat> pardon me, he was um, then leading a sales team, and the sales team was saying, "We would love to do what you do, but we're not painters. We don't know what to do." And he said, "Well, okay, what is the thing that you can't not do? The thing you love to do and you can't go without doing?" And so he was asking one woman who was saying, "You know, saying, look, I'm, I don't paint, but what what else can I do? Well, what do you love to do?" She said, "I love to knit." Okay, knit this person that you're reaching out to, knit him something, something that's hand knitted. It comes from you. It's part of your personal brand. It's you're, you're giving a piece of you and, and you know, knit it because also because the, the company that the person worked for that, that she was she wanted to reach out to um, merged with another. So each each company has they have logos and they have company colors. So work the two company colors into it and congratulate them on the on the merger and wait because she sent it. She said, okay, I sent it. I haven't heard anything. And Kenny says, just wait. And so two weeks later, they, they called up and they, they said, we got this, this cigar. Um, why did you send it? And what do you do? Tell us about yourself. You know, 
<laughs> so that's so that's Penny, and he said, so that is Archie Craftsy. But then let's go opposite direction because you mentioned the falconry glove, and so <laughs> really, there's you know there's two forms of you know back when when I started with direct mail, there was I guess probably just this one uniform definition of personalization. You're going to put somebody's name into something or on something, and you better well have the name spelled correctly because otherwise the whole thing falls apart but assuming you have that that's all you need um but lately because of particularly because of social media we have the and the internet we have the ability to research people and find out a lot about them we can find things that they've said they've been quoted on or that they've posted and we we can go to their their um their profiles we can pull down pictures from their profiles and do something with their profile with the picture even so that we there's a lot more information and so that has has um calved a new form of of personalization, which is to do a, what would be called a profile scrape, just find out, just do a, an intensive um, search on what it is that makes this person tick. What are they really interested in? What are they talking about? And um, and send them a gift based on that. So, hmm. um, the, I won't. I, I mean, it'll take take too long, I think, to tell the whole story. But one guy was was um, helping a colleague who was watching his success at doing this and. I asked if he would help. Sure. So they choose. They chose this one, um, this one account um, prospect, uh, and they did a little bit of a search. They discovered the guy was really into falconry. So they they went to a falconry site. Falconry is us. I don't know something like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, um, and they talked to the owner and said, "Look, we want to get we want to get a gift for someone who's really into falconry. What should we get him?" And so he said, "Oh, you got. You know, they all wear these gloves. You know, that's what they hold the." The, the bird on the yeah, big leather leather. thick leather gloves or something yeah. yeah yeah so that you don't get your hand ripped apart just because you're doing the sport so um but they're beautiful gloves and you only have to buy one by the way you don't have to buy a pair so, <laughs> um and so the um so the, the the owner said look look at this glove this thing's cool let's you should send them this it's 95 bucks as long as that's worth it to you then that's what you, you should buy. So they bought it, ordered it, they sent it, had it set up to deliver directly to the prospect. But they also downloaded, screen grabbed the, a picture of the glove and sent it in an email to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm interested in connecting with you. And um, and I, I, I'm, I, by the way, I'm sending you this glove. I just bought this glove for you. I hope you enjoy it. But I'm sending it because I want to connect with you and I want to tell you about what we do. Um, and the guy, now this is someone that no one had been able to reach, right? Because what they were telling their sales team to do before is make a hundred phone calls a day, which wasn't working. So no one was, no one had gotten through to this guy, but as soon as they sent the email with that, with that picture of the glove in it, they got an immediate response back from the guy. So right away. Cool. And, and the guy says, you know, listen, um, that's really nice of you. Really cool. But I, I'm not a prospect for what you do. So, but listen, thank you so much for the, for the thought. Well, okay. Then, then the, the glove, the glove arrives a few days later and this guy's then just over, this guy's so excited. He got back in touch with him and said, Hey, remember, you know, I, I remember I said that, um, that I'm not a prospect. Well, I'm not, but you know what? I got the glove. It's so cool. I got to help you guys out. And so he said, I know three CIOs who are looking for exactly what you sell. So I'm going to make introductions and they're looking for, they're looking to buy right now. So I'm going to make introductions and, you know, six figure deal, deal ensues. And 
And actually, the kind of the whole story is that that the, the fellow read my the, the original person in the story read the book in the um, this one get them how to get a meeting with anyone, and he decided he would just send these ultra um, um, personalized or customized but just ultra relevant gifts one at a time to um, to the people that he really wanted to connect with, and it was working, and and his. Cohorts noticed it. They're asking him to teach them, teach him to do that. So then they start doing it, and then the management says, "What's going on down there? What are you doing? How is that? What made this difference?" And they all pointed to to Dom, the, the, the original the original guy in the story. They promoted him, and then the company was acquired um, for I think four point seven billion dollars. So in the span of a year, Dom went from a a brand new, you know, um, a college graduate. As a, his first job as an SDR, so he went from that to being sales manager of a multi-billion-dollar company. That's amazing. From All through contact marketing. Contact marketing. Did yeah. you get a cut? Did, did, did you? Uh, you should have gotten a percentage. You know I got. I got the story, and I'm happy with that. There you go. Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener to Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, in this chaotic time of coronavirus chaos, it's so important for people to have a process to define, create, and live their lives of freedom and fulfillment. I lay out just that process in my Amazon bestseller, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And in light of this turbulent time, I've dropped the Kindle price of my book to $4.50. That's a more than $2 drop in price. I do this because I truly believe that this is a process that will help those who need freedom and fulfillment now. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps you have spent the past five years, 10 years, 15 years trading away your freedom and fulfillment for a false sense of security and a toxic job and a lifestyle that doesn't fulfill you. And now you're realizing that security was an illusion and you want your freedom now. Go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com right now. There, you can get chapter one of my book absolutely free, and there's a link to purchase the book. As I said, we have dropped the price to $4.50 for the Kindle version of my book. I know the five pillars of the freedom lifestyle will help you define, create, and start living your freedom lifestyle now. Thanks again for being a listener. I wish you a day, a week, a year of freedom and abundance. I mean, people, and, hey, I got to tell you, the, the coolest thing is you write these books in isolation, obviously. <laughs> got to be, right. you know, it's not while you're socializing. <laughs> you write these books in isolation and you don't know if anyone's going to read it, if anyone would buy it, right? If anyone's going to crack the thing open. I mean, if you think, I mean, if you think about People who've reached out to you and said, you know, I wrote this thing. I wrote a book. Would you read it? You'd be going, oh, my God, are you kidding me? I don't have the time. Right. But so yeah. to just to know that anyone reads it and buys it is amazing. It's an honor. But but to hear these stories of how it's um, it's really had an impact out there all over the world. Um, people are they help people change their their um, their results. It's helped people launch businesses. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I have founders tell me I use this to launch the business or and one of them just told me this book caused me to launch my business. Wow. And it's actually based on what you're doing, uh, what you write about. So, I mean, to, to see it have that kind of an impact is incredible. So that's I mean, that's a huge reward for any author. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
there was another one in there. Uh, now that comes to mind that where you don't have to be artsy craftsy. It's the cutlery, the cutlery yeah. set where they would yeah. send them like a knife a day. And it's funny as I was reading it, my, my, we, we have a history or a, when my in-laws come here, my wife's probably gonna get mad at me. Like my mother-in-law will say, well, you don't have this. And my, my wife will be like, no, we don't. And then next, the next day it'll arrive. And so I, I read that. I said, oh, this is like that. Cause something had happened like that. And then all of a sudden I read the thing about the cutlery, but where the person would basically entice them with sending a new piece of cutlery over the course of weeks or something like that to, in, to, yeah. to kind of tease them. Yeah. That's so the source of that story is John Rulin who wrote giftology also brilliant guy. Um, and a great, a brilliant book as well. Um, but yeah, so his, his, it's really cool because, you know, uh, when I was researching for how to get a meeting with anyone, I heard a lot of stories of people sending half of a gift. So mm. like they'd send a remote control Ferrari model, which would get my attention, certainly, <laughs> or yeah. you know, would get my attention too. But they sent this remote control model, but without the without the control unit. So um, they're saying, "Hey, here's. I hope you enjoy this, and uh, um, I want to I want to meet with you. And so I'll bring the control device when we meet, which is kind of like a bribe or exerting perhaps the wrong kind of leverage, I guess. Yeah. Um, John's thing is his knife campaign is totally different. Seems like maybe it's half a gift, but it's not. It's a serial gift. So he sends a this, you know, the, the block that they're coming out of, is that a butcher's block or I think that's- Yeah, I don't know what you call it, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but he sends one, that with one knife in it or one knife to put in it. But, you know, of course the butcher block, then you see all these different, all these other slots for other knives. You gotta know more are coming, right? I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's up the expectation. So then he sends one knife, I don't know, let's say every week or it could be every day, it could be every other day, some, whatever the tempo is that he'd like to do. But let's say once a week, sends another one and another one and another one. Well, pretty soon the um, the spouse, because these end up in the kitchen, obviously, right? And then where else are they going? Right. Yeah. Pretty soon the spouse will say, when are you going to do business with this person? So John's campaign gets, enrolls the, the spouse, makes the spouse a... Um, it's not a conspiracy, but if we'll call them, call them a co-conspirator. I don't know. They're a party to the campaign. They're actually an integral part of the campaign. Yeah. You mentioned the the uh, the kind of half a half a gift gone wrong, um, and it's it's interesting because I I get unsolicited books all the time, hmm. and it's interesting because. Maybe they're trying to do what you've talked about in terms of sending it without a note, but I'll get the book with no context, no note, and no follow-up. Yeah. Which isn't what I suggested in the book. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So, and, and But it's also on LinkedIn that happens a lot too, where, you know, we're other than the half a gift and maybe that's, maybe that's what, that's the answer to my question. But I was, what I wanted to ask you is where have you seen contact marketing go wrong? Well, um, well, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that half a gift goes wrong, but I don't think it's as effective. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I, you want people saying, wow, love the way you think. I mean, that's always what you want, right? Yeah. When they, when they, th if you're a stranger to them and you've just created that reaction, they the call you make, the conversation you have is not going to be going to be cold. You know, it's, 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 it, it starts off on the right, on the right path, I think. So, um, but I did, you know, if something, if you send someone something and it's, it's for some reason, it's, it's, um, 
um, let's say it's maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe they think it's offensive and it's easy to offend people. I mean, shoot, you could send someone a cartoon and if, if you're doing it yourself, mm, yeah, you might offend them. You know, it's, it's, they're, it's tricky to create those guys that were up on stage saying, don't use humor. Maybe they were right in a way, you know? Well, I guess it depends, right? Someone last week, uh, was last week, April 1st. Yeah. It was like the, the days before it's like, there were people just blanket statements saying, kill your April fool's day campaigns, kill it. And my thought is, well, it depends. Yeah. If you're telling a coronavirus joke, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, kill it. But if you're going to, it, it depends, right? Yeah. Don't tell a bad joke if you're horrible at telling jokes. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I, no, I think, I think there, there, you, there's definitely a, a, a great bit of sense sensitivity that you you have to exhibit. I mean, people are hurting. I mean, I'm out there talking about the fact that a lot right now, talking about the fact that during this coronavirus break, if you're if you sell B2B, um, this might be a, an opportunity of a lifetime to make connections right now. And you shouldn't be sitting on the sidelines. You should be really aggressively getting out there and creating connections, but not necessarily. I mean, not aggressively pitching, but aggressively connecting and and make the basis of that connection something of value. And, you know, I mean, I'm running roundtables now and roundtables are very valuable for everybody who's who, who's participating because we're all learning together. We're all discovering new stuff right there in real time on those on those Zoom calls and, or whatever they are, the Zoom sessions. Yeah. Um, and so you've got to. So but anyway, I'm, I'm saying that you've got to do that. You, if you're if you're not doing that, you are missing a chance of a lifetime. Not only that, but you can think of this as a big game of musical chairs. And um, either you're following up or some, or reaching out or somebody else is, and they're making new relationships, and they're going to walk away with a lot of business, not only after the, the pause, but right now, because business is still moving. People are still, they're still doing deals. People, stuff is still moving. And, and, pe and people are, I think we, when we first kind of connected on LinkedIn, we met like people are picking up the phone now because they I mean, want connection because they're told don't have connection. So immediately yeah. you want connection and they're home alone, right. Or with their families or whatever. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. they're getting bored. They just like to have some contact. I'm not, you know, they have meetings and so on. Uh, you know, if they're part of a, an executive team that smartly is continuing, then, you know, they're, they're busy, but they're not commuting. They're not flying around the country. They do have more time on their hands. And, yeah. um, and they don't quite have as much stimulation as they, as they normally do, I would say, in, in most cases. I, even my, I mean, this, this studio is in my home. So I'm used to just walking down a flight of stairs to, to get, that's my commute. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we, we mentioned at the top of, the, of, our, of our session here that I live on an island. And, and so, you know, God, it's beautiful here. So you just go out, I go out, and the, the, just our little town of Langley is so impossibly cute. Just to walk around, just get out, walk around, go to the bookstore or something, or get a piece of pizza. If you sit down for a piece of pizza, you're sitting in a building that's on stilts, over a cliff, over the water, you know, looking out at the at the next island over. It's just, yeah. you know, so those and and working out. Oh my God, just setting a routine while we're while you're working from home is is really vitally important, and the, and the, certainly they're getting disrupted. Even mine are. I, I, you know, I don't worry. I, I don't get to go to the gym. That sucks. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we've, we've been trying to, uh, we have four kids 
Um, but I've been working from home, like you, I've been working from home for 15 years and, uh, we've been homeschooling our kids for 13. Um, so we're, it's kind of like, we were made for this, yeah. but it's still, it still seeps in and our kids, we've had two birthday, two kids birthdays of the course of this. We couldn't do it yesterday. We, we committed a criminal act by going to a closed park and waiting the cops didn't show up. But today my wife brought the kids to a park and they were told to leave and you, you flow like water, you, you, you deal with it. And, yeah. and you do it, but at the same point, I mean, to, to the point of selling it, was, it was someone early on when this started happening, there was someone and he's in sales and he, he made a blanket statement, which I think people make statements without context. It, it's, I don't know, it's not dangerous, but it's, it's, you got to provide that context. And he said, yeah. the next 30 days, don't sell, just be human. And my initial reaction is, well, that's a false dichotomy. Because if you're yeah. selling without being human, please, by all means, don't sell. Don't do it. In, don't do it in any anyways. Time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Pink's book uh, to t- to sell is human. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And falconry, there, there's no selling to it, right? And but that person wasn't even in the market, but now they got three. I think there is too, but we're creating relationships and conversations, and you know. I, I don't know. I don't get that either because, well, I mean, certain you shouldn't, if you're on LinkedIn and you, you connect with people and the first thing you do is pitch people, that's already wrong. Yeah. And so if all you do is continue to do that now during the, during the, the coronavirus pause, um, yeah, that's probably seen as even more offensive because yeah. it just don't do that. Right. I mean, don't do that. Just you, you lead with, with, I want to say you lead with a value. Now it sounds like a formula, but that's just what you do as a human being. You know, when we connect with each other, we don't pitch each other. Yeah, right. And it's gotten worse. It certainly has had an uptick since coronavirus where I'm getting off the charts sales pitches from the get-go. Now, mm-hmm. the, some one of the benefits is they're actually putting it in their message so I don't have to accept it. Um, cool. But there, <laughs> there's been an uptick. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, I mean, you talk about deep personalization which I guess would be the falconry, right? Yes, and then you have yeah. wide personalization. And one of the things my agency did, especially toward the end, was digital advertising. And one of the, this is probably one of the reasons I just shut it down. I, I got sick of people get addicted to big numbers, mm-hmm. big, meaningless numbers. And so we worked with a lot of trade associations who just wanted big numbers. And really what I love doing, and which is really kind of what contact marketing is, what contact marketing is all about, I call it the law of the few. I don't care about the hundred people. I want the two that matter. And we have the ability, you talked about profile scraping. We have more of an ability than ever before to find data. But I feel like most of the world is using data but then doing it in this bland campaign rather than really getting down and yeah. doing what you're talking about. I mean, this is the opposite of, of automation as well. It, marketing automation. I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't yeah. know it, but it's on the face of it. It's kind of lazy. Right. Right. Um, right. And it's a way to deal with, with many. And, and as you're, as you're, as you just pointed out, this is about contact marketing is about dealing with the few who have the greatest value to you. I don't know. There's the people you really want to connect with and work with. 
um, who would change your life. Those are the ones that we're focused on in, in contact marketing, which makes it a lot more fun. You know, you can spend a lot in direct mail in that in that old world that I was in. You know, you've just you you cut out fractions of a penny to per piece, right? Because and that makes a big difference because you're going to send out a couple of million. So um, here, though, you can spend. And by the way, that form of marketing is just kind of out of it's out of reach for for most, let's say, small businesses, I mean, you know, it's, or if people are, are, if they're sales reps and they're they're responsible for their own marketing, essentially, it's out of reach. I mean, you couldn't spend tens of, th of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to put out a campaign. But in contact marketing, when you figure out who the handful of people are who can who have the ability to change everything in your in the scale of your your life and your career and your business. Um, you can spend a lot, actually, a fair amount on each one, um, and you break through and, and you, you get the result you're looking for. You can afford to do a lot more of these and keep going. And, you know, I mean, Dan Walshman, when he sends, you remember the, the story of Dan Walshman from the book, but I should tell it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to say that he's a turnaround specialist, and um, he has this method for re for reaching CEOs of of uh, CEO sorry CEOs of companies that are in trouble. Um, find stories of missed earnings estimates and has a sword made up and it's engraved with the CEO's name and put in this beautiful wooden box with a handwritten note saying, um, "Dear Kurt, you know, it's, I, I, listen, I know." business is war and i noticed you lost a battle recently um i just wanted to let you know if you ever need a few extra hands in battle we've got your back uh i, I just lost All right. we, we 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 went away for a little bit but we are back i i've noticed since the covid19 this has happened uh this happens about three times a week <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well have a little heavier use i think of all these platforms yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so we'll edit that out. But please, yeah, please uh, continue because I remember this story because it 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 was worth a lot of money uh, from. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I'm just going to say it's a shortened version of the story. Dan sends swords, and they cost him a thousand bucks a piece uh, to send. But they're a visual metaphor of of the value he. I mean, in his note, he says, "Listen, if you ever need a few extra hands in battle, we've got your back." And this goes to CEOs of companies that have just missed their earnings reports he's probably really busy right now but when so he spends a thousand bucks on those things um and he gets a hundred percent response rate to it so far um and you know a thousand bucks to reach one person is a lot of money to spend but when you in, in his case every every assignment for a turnaround uh, engagement is um is a million dollars and up so yeah. those make sense. But, you know, here's another that's a visual metaphor, right? The, the sword is a visual metaphor for him going to battle for you. Well, here's another one that I think is pretty cool. It's a, <laughs> it's a you know, it's a, it's a coffee spill. I mean, you know, it's a fake one, ultra realistic. And, and my with my, my coaching clients, I have them use these. We, we have them uh, get a custom cup made. So, so the cup has their logo and their contact information. And then we got the spill made up. And so these become really cool um, leave behind devices. I mean, you just stop in at a, at a place, just leave it behind to say, I just wanted to drop this off for so-and-so. Put a Starbucks card in there. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, the thing is, this is a, that spill is a visual metaphor for loss or spillage. Yeah. or leakage in your business it, it's a lot of things it's it's about losing something and you can't recover it 
you know, business that you're missing out on right now if you're standing on the sidelines, for example, during the, the virus pause. But right. that, that's such a great visual metaphor for loss and talking about ways to prevent it or mitigate it. Yeah. What, and by the way, what before when I when we came back and I said it was a lot of money about Dan, I meant it was worth a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The money he brought in, not the, yeah. not the sword, which which. That's you know, so I, I should just say yeah. that costs that costs I don't know twenty five bucks. Hey, who can't afford twenty five bucks to get someone to go? Oh my god, I just got this thing that was so cool. What do you want to talk about? You know, and, and yet I get business right. I bet you run into a lot of people who maybe it's not about the twenty five bucks, right? They, I guess here I'll form this as a question: What's the biggest impediment? that you see to people, maybe it's people like me who said, oh, I don't need that. I'm doing what I do. I like doing my hundred calls a day. What's your biggest impediment to people doing it? Because on paper, it's like, you got a hundred percent. Is it the brain power? Is it, they think 25 bucks is too much money. Is it the work? I think probably, well, the one I keep hearing, and it's probably just because it's me hearing it is, but I'm not creative or I, I can't draw. They're thinking it's all cartoons. That's not at all. By the way, drawing is maybe 25% of the process of creating a cartoon. It's writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but they're saying I can't draw. Um, well, remember my story from about Kenny Madden and his sales group? And, and they're saying, well, we, we can't paint. Yeah. And he's saying, but wait a minute. You have to think about this. Look at this differently. You don't have to be a... You don't have to be able to paint or draw. That's not what it's about. It is about sending something, of, of, a piece of you. If there's a way to do that, that's a great way to do it. Um, but, you know, you don't have to draw to be able to send, to be able to do a profile scrape and send a, a falconry glove, as an example. Um, you just put a little bit of work into it. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's like, what's the biggest imped impediment to anyone taking any action? And I guess it's just, they don't feel inspired. They don't feel confident. They don't feel like it's going to work for them. Maybe. I, I don't know. They should try it though. They yeah. Should, should try it. Well, Stu, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the freedom media network, we like to talk to, we've had Mark Hunter, Mark Hunter was on last week. Oh, you mentioned right. Mark and, and, you know, sales and marketing, allows you to be free, right? I mean, you have built a business that allows you to live on an island and go through the little town and do all those sorts of things. And so we, we talk a lot about sales and marketing and I, um, I love the, it's creative, but I think what you do is also as much creative. I don't want that term to turn people away to think I got to draw or be artsy. It's almost crit. It's more critical thinking and just stepping back and slowing down. Right. And so thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. What, where can people go? Where, where do you refer people to? Is it Amazon to get the book? Is it your website? Is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn and wherever? <laughs> hey, well, I mean, you know, the first, well, I mean, people will ask, well, how do I do business with you? And maybe I, they might be asking, how's the cheapest way I can do business with you? <laughs> so, so the cheapest way is just to, um, 
Buy the books. And yes, you can buy them anywhere except the airport, as far as I know. <laughs> Why is that? Well, I don't know. I haven't, see, I haven't seen them at the airport, though. Interesting. Okay. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. You can buy it on, on Audible um, or Kindle, et cetera. So it's, it's, they're sold everywhere. So that's Get the Meeting. That's the, the latest one. And How to Get a Meeting with Anyone is the first one. And really, they're meant to be, um, they're meant to be uh, a companion editions. So you don't, it's not one replaces the other. They're, they go together. Um, or you can then reach out to me on my on my uh, author page. That's stuheinick.com. You'd have to know how to spell my name, but you can see it right there on the, on the, yes. I'll point, one of those is pointing the right direction. And a lot of people probably call it, pronounce it Heineke, I assume. I think, that, yeah, they do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> never hear it. But so stuheinick.com is my author site or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell them you heard me and or saw me on, on, uh, on Kurt's uh, podcast and that that'll get you through. What are engagements that you, people can, that you do with people? Uh, I know last year, were you having a big, big, big shindig uh, on the island? Um, me personally, weren't you doing a mastermind or something? It was oh, twenty five thousand yeah. bucks a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, yeah, we were doing a mastermind, but those are really small though. We yeah. do we do creative sessions on the island, weekend strategy sessions actually. Cool. But really, it's I I um I consult. Um, that that strategy session is an example of that. But I consult um to help uh, clients create or, or come up with a, with a strategy and then a set of campaigns is really much, really it's agency sort of work. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, we have a, a system contact system that I use all the time. It's called big board system or big boards. I happen to have one right here. <laughs> so it's this big, um, I don't know if you can oh, see yeah. it, this big foam core piece, actually it's gator board and um, there's a message or there's a cartoon about the recipient on one side and and messaging and branding and so forth on the other side. Essentially, it's just it's a message saying um, this is uh, who I am. This is I'm, I'm reaching up because I'd like to connect with you. This is what I think we can get out of it. And here are our next steps. So there's that. And you create those for your clients. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Those are those are really cool. So, I mean, you know, I mentioned that my first contact campaign was was sending a cartoon print so that's what those have morphed into i mean there's some packaging that it goes into and and there's a process we call up the the assistant to say hi i'm i'm so and so and i'm 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 let's say i'm kurt and i'm calling because i'm i'm sending a print of a cartoon by one of the wall street journal cartoonists <laughs> and it's about your boss and they'll be saying what yeah right yeah <laughs> and yeah so if you know would if you wouldn't mind i'll send you an email with all those details and my contact information yeah sure so i mean it's usually the response and so uh, you get their email address or this correct spelling of their name and then we send them a card with a handwritten note i have a card around here somewhere um with a with a handwritten note saying thanks so much for your help on the phone greatly appreciate it this one's a christmas one but you know a card with a personalized cartoon on it um and, and a little handwritten note thanking them for their help that usually arrives before the big board does and then when we have the fedex tracking information we send that so there's there are four touches with the executive assistant before the big board even arrives and and all of that combines to to create a great effect a great a, a great uh, great response rate and great effects in uh in in our clients selling that's amazing so, yeah, that's that's how we do it 
That's amazing. And you hate when they frame those, right? Because yeah, you, you like it when they just, they can read the other side, right? Exactly. Don't, don't cover up the message. You know? <laughs> well, Stu, thank you so much. Um, thank you everyone for joining us today. It's hard to see everyone joining on this platform, where, but Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. If you join us later today or tomorrow, jump in with your questions. I'll make sure to tag Stu um, and please reach out to Stu. He can help you get 100% response rates. Uh, or at least close to it or better than what you're doing now. Yeah. Uh, Stu Heineck, the father of contact marketing. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.